This is episode 207 of IDRA Class Notes. Our expectations are high and our expectations are for everybody. So we really don't, we don't see students differently. Nobody gets a pass on college classes. Nobody gets a pass on STEM classes and credentialing. Starting with that attitude that this is for all is I think one of the, the biggest supports. Starting to look at every student as needing an individual educational plan. Approaching it that way where we look at the students and see where are they struggling and what are we doing to do to, to support that student so that they achieve well. Hello, welcome to IDRA Class Notes Podcast. I'm Hector Bojorquez, Director of Operations at IDRA, and today I'm excited to be talking with Andy Wilson, Provost at Orozco ISD. Uh, thank you for being here. Thank you, Hector. Glad to be here. Great. Uh, well, we're really excited. We're here at Roscoe ISD, actually at the Research Center. That's correct, yeah. It's called the Ag... What's the full title of the place? <laughs> well, I'd have to look out the front of the building. Um, I think it's the Agra Life Science... Research and well, I'll have to look. Into yeah, so I'm really excited because I've seen so many things here in our our trip. But one of the things that struck me about Roscoe is that your vision for the students and your vision for what you do here is quite unlike you know many places around the state. Could you tell me what the vision is here, the vision and mission of Roscoe ISD? Yes, sir. We want all of our students to be career and college ready. So that's all of them, 100 percent. And so in order to, to do that, we have set some pretty high expectations um, and goals. Um, our goal is for 90% of our students to graduate with an associate's degree when they graduate from high school. We want 90% of our students uh, to have a industry-recognized certification and 100% of our students to have one or the other, um, for sure. And then beyond that, we want um, 90% of those 90 who get their associate's degree to get their bachelor's degree as well. And then we want 90% of those getting the bachelor's degree to go on and get their master's degree. Uh, we just feel like attaining that level of education, um, bachelor's degree, and being the baseline will set our students up for success in their future. We have a, you know, a high majority of of low socioeconomic and um, first-generation college goers and so we're really looking at um, changing lives and really stopping generational poverty. How many years have you been doing this at Moscow? This is our 10th year. Mm -hmm. uh, we became an early college high school 10 years ago and about uh, five years ago we became a STEM Academy and then this year is our first year to be a Pathways in Technology Early College High School, which is what is the blended model of Early College High School and STEM Academy in Texas has become the P-TECH school. How many students have you graduated so far with uh, uh, an associates? I don't have that number off. Oh, well, a, a percentage <laughs> about how many like, yeah. of your graduating class? So we graduate um, 80 to 90 percent. We've had... Uh, three years of 80%, three years of 90%. That's with an uh, associate's That's with an associate's degree, yes. And who's your partner? Our uh, two-year partner is Western Texas College, and they've been our partner all along. We worked with them for years before we became early college high school for dual uh, credit, mm -hmm. dual enrollment. And then we have a four-year partnership with Angelo State University. So our, our students are able to flow uh, directly from our program in WTC into Angelo State seamlessly their hours transfer and so forth. We have a couple of um, articulation agreements with uh, 
Texas Tech and Texas A&M as well. And I heard that you already have a doctorate. Somebody with a doctorate that's about to finish a doctorate. Yes, sir. This May, uh, we'll graduate our first student with a doctoral terminal degree. We have the Collegiate Agination P20 system model. It's a model that we developed here in Roscoe. And so P being pre-K, three-year-olds, to 20 being that terminal degree. And uh, this young man uh, worked with our, uh, we have a business partnership with a, a chiropractor and worked with him uh, when he was here at school, got his associate's degree and went on I went on to college and is about to graduate with his doctoral in physical therapy. Wow, that's amazing. How long did that take? Oh, I'll have to, <laughs> about have to think, think about when he graduated. <laughs> I think he graduated six years ago. Wow. I'd have to go back and look. That's amazing. What is the difference between a dual credit early college high school model and what's happening here? I'll go to dual credit first and go to early college high school because they're two different animals. So uh, just a regular comprehensive high school that does dual credit. Most most of those students, their families are paying for the tuition. They're probably going to be the, the higher achievers and it's spotted throughout and they'll get you know anywhere from 15 to 30 to 45 hours uh, maybe. And early college high school is set up for students to get to earn the associate's degree. So we're looking at you know 60 hours and they're also designed so that uh, students are not limited by tuition so the schools take care of the tuition. And so we've done that for 10 years. Our students have been able to to go to junior college or community college for free um, because we've been footing the bill for them. And that makes access across the board uh, more attainable. So for our model, um, becoming a, a Pathways in Technology or the College High School, that, that brings the STEM element into it as well. And so our students are not only able to get the associate's degree, but are able to have hands-on experience in STEM fields and are able to be a part of uh, apprenticeships and then earn a certificate in a STEM area. So some of the certificates that we offer are Certified Veterinary Assistant on the Biomedical Pathway, Uh, We're working to develop a a laboratory and um, embryology certificate, um, also in in biomedical. On the engineering side, we've got design and build. So we've got um, Autodesk Inventor as a a possibility for our students uh, to test in and receive that credential. Working on the CNC certification, we have MakerBot. And then also um, on the welding side, uh, we have the AWS uh, welding certifications. Um, and then uh, we have drones is also on the engineering side, and uh, our students are able to get the FAA remote pilot's license. Um, so being able to set them up um, with something they can, they can leave school with, really ideally, to be able to go to college, pursue that bachelor's degree, and have a job other than flipping burgers. Mm-hmm. Last year we had two graduates that had earned the FAA remote pilot's license, so one went to college in Dallas and one went down to A&M and they're both using that license uh, to, to make money. The uh, drone, the drone license? Yes, yeah. yes. We had a one student earn her CVA and she went down to A&M and she's working in a vet clinic with her CVA mm-hmm. and so they're able to command a little bit higher salary uh, I believe with those credentials mm-hmm. and uh, you know they may just use them to get through um, college and get that degree or they may continue to use them after they're degreed. That remains to be seen. It's really amazing. My question, and I'm sure lots of people have this question out there, that how is it that you're able to support all students at all different kinds of levels to, to achieve this? What do you see as the support mechanisms at, at the campus? 
at your high school, for example? What do you what do you see? Well, first of all, our expectations are high, and our expectations are for everybody, and so we really don't we don't see students differently. Um, nobody gets a pass on college classes. Um, nobody gets a pass on um, STEM classes and credentialing, um, or at least working towards that. And so starting with that attitude that this is for all is, I think, one of the, the biggest supports. So not everybody is a, a high achiever. There, we have struggling learners just like everybody else. We have students that are in special ed who have IEPs just like everybody else. Um, and we have the gifted and talented students who also need IEPs. Right. <laughs> um, and so... Um, People forget that. <laughs> yes. And we are really starting to look at every student as needing an individual educational plan or program. And so approaching it that way where we look at the students and see where are they struggling or where do they need help with it. You know, it may not be that they're struggling academically. It may just be a time management issue or a motivation issue. And what do we need to do to, to, to support that student so that they achieve uh, well? And then um, our struggling students, of course, we need to give them. We have tutorials um, every morning. For students who need to be there, we have Saturday school. That could be for students who are not achieving well um, academically. You know, a, a teacher can come in and help at that time. Um, but also students who are having trouble just getting things uh, done. And then we have a, one night a week, we have an evening school. So the Saturday school is four hours, evening school will be four hours as well. We're, we're able to um, do the same thing uh, with, with those students. And so support comes in all fashions. Uh, if, if they fail to show up at Saturday school, we already have them there during the week, and so they can stay at evening school because we kind of catch them as they go out <laughs> the door. So sometimes support and always voluntary, mm-hmm. but still needed. And then we talk a lot about the why. Dr. Alexander, the, the Chancellor of Collegiate Education, is usually at our assemblies. We have three assemblies a week. When he's in town, he's there, and he often talks to the students about why it's important for them to pursue degrees and and certifications and why it's important for us to empower them to do so. Then our Friday meetings with our teachers, and either he or I will be there, and again, we talk about the why, why that's important. This leads to my another question about the teachers. You know, the, the students, you're supporting the students. Uh, what do you do to help the teachers deal with different kinds of learners? What is it that you have as a support for them? We have a common planning and um, uh, professional development time once a week. Um, we call that PTC, Planning, Training, Collaboration. Once a week? Once a week, every Friday. We don't begin class until 9, or I'm sorry, 8.45 on Fridays. Uh, the teachers get there at 7.25, and so we've got, um, we've got that hour and 20 minutes with the teachers um, every Friday where either they're receiving training, uh, professional development in some way, or we're talking about data and collaborating. Uh, so that's why it's planning, training, and, and collaboration. There's a little bit of all of that. And so so that's one time that we, we use. We also rely pretty heavily on AVID, very heavily. Um, AVID, in fact, I should have mentioned that as a support system. AVID's one of our, our biggest support systems, and we're school-wide AVID from 6th grade to, to 12th grade. And our um, content area instructors receive professional development through AVID as well, and we send several every summer to the, to the summer institutes. Um, and then our AVID uh, director also uh, does uh, professional development in, in-house uh, with our teachers. And then we also have uh, two instructional coaches that are able to go into classrooms and you know see what the students are doing and be able to have those conversations with teachers about uh, what they're doing and 
um, what they're struggling with and, and different approaches instructionally uh, to that. And then along with the instructional coaches, we have, we have external rounds, and that's kind of a school-wide look at things uh, from the outside. But we have internal rounds uh, where every teacher does that several times a year. And so you have an instructional coach, an administrator, and a fellow teacher who will come into the classroom, and they're looking at the students. They want to see what the students are doing and hear what they're saying. And then look at that under the context of a focal question that that classroom teacher has given them to look at. And so it's very collaborative and they're able to you know receive feedback that way as well about instruction. And then also about uh, it could be struggling learners, it could be behavior issues. Um, when you have uh, three more or four more sets of eyeballs in the classroom, you're able to see more uh, than the teacher is on a regular basis. So mm-hmm. and then, especially on the on the elementary level, uh, we have an interventionist who has those conversations with the teachers as well about what struggles a particular student is having and then um, different interventions uh, that can help that student be successful. And, and really what we try to do at the elementary level is teach those students how to intervene you know, about those interventions that are successful for them and to, to be go-to strategies. So there's kind of an arsenal of, of ways that we support the teachers and supporting the students. I met some of your students yesterday, um, and it, it was really amazing just you know how their their vocabulary and uh, as they were presenting, and I noticed also you're beginning to plan for a Montessori for first through third. Is that correct? That's correct. Yes. And I bring that up with development over here, the vocabulary development, because it was obvious that they were doing a project that was that was project based learning. You're not doing at the student level. You're not doing traditional sit and gets. You're not doing traditional. No. Uh, teaching either. You're doing some pretty innovative stuff as to what's going on in the classroom. Not just the expectation support, but you're actually doing some others. Could you describe just in broad strokes what you see as innovative as going on in, in the classroom? Yes. Um, when, so when we became an early college high school, we adopted a common instructional framework. And we adopted that from uh, kindergarten through through 12th grade, which brought about a lot of discussion, that along with the uh, rounds uh, process. You know, we have six instructional strategies in that common instructional framework. Um, So just to throw one out there, um, writing to learn is going to look different for a kindergartner than it is for a third grader or a seventh grader or a senior. Uh, Literacy groups is going to look different at the third grade level than it does at the senior uh, level. And so because we adopted those strategies across the board and adopted internal rounds, what it did was it, it allowed a conversation to take place across campus between elementary and middle school and, and high school and how those apply to different developmental levels and what they look like. And, and it's amazing to see a, a high school history teacher go to a, you know, a first grade class and say, hey, I think that might work in my classroom mm-hmm. and take it back and use it and vice versa. And so that whole process helped us develop a common language around, um, around instruction. We had heard about Montessori. Um, you know, everybody's heard about Montessori. And, mm-hmm. But uh, Dr. Alexander, um, has a friend, a uh, superintendent there in Longview, and they're, they're real big on Montessori in Longview. And then uh, another uh, guy had run across down in Marfa, and Marfa had uh, begun a public Montessori. Um, and so we began looking at that and did a couple of years of investigation and planning, and we implemented Montessori, the Montessori method, for our three through five-year-olds uh, mm-hmm. last year. And this is our second year for that at the early childhood level. 
And so we've had a, quite a demand for that to be pushed up from first through third as well. So our plans are next year to begin um, Montessori first through third grade, and then the following year push it up through sixth grade, and wow. then after that run it through eighth grade. And we'll, we'll stop there at seventh and eighth grade. <laughs> it looks a lot more like what we're doing at the high school level right. anyway, and so it's a good bridge to use uh, between the earlier grades and, and high school. And this will be kind of my final question. What do you see as kind of the future for Roscoe at the moment? What would you like to see as the, the future? Well, the future of Roscoe. <laughs> <laughs> we have to do better than maintain what we've done. Mm-hmm. We've got to continue to, to reach that 90% on the associate's degree. We need to reach. We haven't yet. We need to reach 90% um, on the career certifications, the industry-recognized certifications. So we've still got some some goals out there that that we've got to meet and and then um, continue to to meet. And then we want to reach that 90% bachelor's degrees and 90% master's degrees. And so that's a future for us that we've not attained that we're, we're going to work hard to get to. And then over the years, we've become, you know, we've become a model, um, a rule, national rule model for early college high school and, and then bringing STEM Academy and that blended model in. And so with the uh, creation of Collegiate Education, we are going to continue that model and continue to help other schools uh, begin programs like this uh, that, you know, that fit into their community, where they have pathways that fit the, the job needs for their area. Uh, where they are able to partner with a community college that best fits their needs, but ultimately so that they can um, produce students who um, have that associate's degree and have that credential so that they can go on and be successful. We've got to, in Texas, and we have to in the United States, look at education differently. You know, in order for us to to continue to be a, a state that is as healthy economically as we are in the nation and that is healthy as economically as we are. Mm-hmm. And so we believe the best way to do that is through education. Great. Wonderful. Thank you very much, Andy. We could have a, actually a, about an hour's worth of conversation <laughs> as we were talking. You know, there's a bunch of other questions I have, but I'll leave them wanting more this time. All right. Uh, thank you very much, Andy. I appreciate it. And thank you for having us here. You bet. Happy to be a part of it. Thank you for listening to IDRA Class Notes. For more information on IDRA and other Class Notes topics, go to www.idra.org. You can also send us your thoughts by email to podcast at idra.org.